And welcome back to Harry Potter and the Reread Podcast. I'm your host, David Jansen, and joined, as always, by my co-host, Kyle Jans. Kyle, how are you? David Johnson. That's a, that's a, pretty, it's a pretty standard name. You would, uh, you'd be one of probably hundreds of thousands of David Johnsons in the world. Stay alive. <laughs> Never mind the dead ones. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's good to see you. Good to be back. We're, uh, we're doing two chapters here today, a uh, chapter for Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, of course, uh, chapter chapter nine and chapter 10, chapter nine, Grim Defeat, chapter 10, The Marauder's Map. And David, if there's one thing that is becoming a general theme, not only in the series, not only in these past two chapters, I should say, but a theme in the book itself is like we had back to back chapters here where adults really just need to be careful about what they're talking about in crowded environments with lots of students around. Yeah, I mean, we could summarize the issue of these <laughs> novels with adults just need to be more careful, for sure. Kids are always listening. That Marauder's Map is the most interesting chapter we've read in any book to this point. I've been writing this, I wrote the summary for it, and try and keep it like detailed or concise but there was like so much information that was given to the reader in this chapter you get one of the coolest gadgets or magical things that we've come across probably in the series ever or at least at this point like the marauders map is iconic in itself with the the mischief manage and i solemnly swear i'm up to no good there's there's so much going on in that chapter. It was a lot of fun to read. And I definitely agree with you. It has to be the most action-packed one that we've read so far. Yeah, which is interesting because it's not, obviously, it's not the end of a book, but it's just, there's just a lot going on. And especially on a reread, there's just so much interesting stuff to glean. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a second. We can, uh, we can start off with the first chapter we read, obviously, chapter nine, Grim Defeat. So starts out after the serious black attack at the end of last chapter. All the students have been sent to the Great Hall for a sleepover. The teachers uh, searched the school, but no sign of Sirius Black. Snape did seem to imply that he might have actually had some help from someone inside of the school, but Dumbledore shot that down. Harry seems now, post-attack, to have an escort of teachers uh, anywhere he goes, and Professor McGonagall finally decides to tell him what he already knew, that Black is probably after him. Um, Quidditch season is upon us, but... The schedule gets rearranged because Slytherin has to back out because of Malfoy's uh, arm injury. So it turns out they're going to play Hufflepuff instead. Lupin's out sick and Snape's in for Defense Against the Dark Arts teaching. And that goes about as well as anyone would expect. Um, So not well at all. Decides to focus the whole lesson on werewolves. Um, You know, it's just just going poorly. Um, He makes a rude remark to Hermione. Ron jumps down, um, jumps up to her defense, but that only gets himself uh, detention. Finally, we get the Quidditch match. Weather's insane, wind, rain, pretty, pretty rough going on. Gryffindor is up about 50 points, but they don't really have a chance to win because nobody can see this with Nitch. So Hermione uh, tells Harry about a spell that will actually repel water on his glasses. So that's good. Helps him out a little bit. And now that he can see better, Harry actually sees a dog in the woods, which distracts him. And then the Dementors show up, Harry faints, Gryffindor loses, and the ever-trusty Nimbus 2000 uh, hits the Whomping Willow and is no more. And 
That's chapter nine. That is the chapter. More Quidditch. And we'll have lots to talk about there. <laughs> well, let's, let's start like a little bit uh, chronologically. And let's just talk a little really quick about the idea of the Great Hall sleepover. Uh, yes. They just put the entire school into one room and said, oh, go to sleep. I can't imagine anybody slept. You can't imagine anybody slept. I also... Sirius Black is known for what essentially he's known for being the madman who killed like a group of 13 muggles or whatever in a really packed area. So why are you packing all the kids together to do the thing that you don't want them to do? I, I, I found it to be like a really interesting approach because even just the previous year, they had a major issue with a basilisk traveling around the school but yet they all stayed in their common rooms and like classes resumed and they were just kind of closely monitored. So I, I just, I didn't get why it was different now where all of a sudden they all had to be gathered and sleeping together in the, in the common room with Percy of all people being the one in charge, which would have been pretty terrible for the kids as well. <laughs> well, to be fair, Percy is like the top in That's his thing. Yeah. How he got head boy. It's on thing but he is the head boy so um yeah that's fine it, it it like you said though it would have been so hard to even even if percy is like the the most to the annoying character and to the book book for everything how you're not getting hundreds of kids to like actually settle down no. on an evening like that so i did got identical purple sleeping bags though yeah they're purple why aren't they colored by house like everything else is Oh, yeah, exactly. Maybe that was beyond Dumbledore's uh, magic. I doubt it, though. He should have been able to do that just fine. He got some color-coordinated uh, some color coordinated sleeping bags for all of them. But here's the thing. All right, so you got these hundreds of kids, and that also leads to a lot of information being uh, revealed as well because, as you pointed out in the chapter, Snape is kind of insinuating to, to Dumbledore that he thinks someone in the school might be responsible for letting Sirius Black in and talked about all these things that they shouldn't be talking to in front of kids because as we know all kids like to just pretend that they're asleep and listen in on conversations that's what Harry is doing at a time like that as well so I just didn't get why Snape was talking about all this sensitive information while Dumbledore is there like go outside of the great hall maybe just step into the hallway I agree like what are you what are you doing? I also think that um, they organized the kids by houses, but they maybe should have organized the kids by gender. Gender, yeah. To your point, they had four prefects of each. So eight prefects, two from each house, a head boy and a head girl. That's ten kids watching all these other kids in a giant room in the dark. The, and the teenagers at that. Yeah, many of them 15 16 17 year olds yeah recipe for disaster <laughs> i would have taken precaution I, I did like that in this chapter at least or um it, it kind of, it's it builds up a lot of those hints about snape's feelings on on lupin even though it's not indicated that snape feels like it's lupin as the one who is the danger to have someone in the school given his association to black but dumbledore wouldn't hear any of it but it's kind of neat reading it along like 
another time around and knowing who he's referring to and who might be the inside guy and who has that relationship with uh, Sirius Black that the reader doesn't know about at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. But all in all, why not keep them in their common rooms and just, I don't know. Yeah, the, the only reason, yeah, I, I agree. They should have been kept in there. They'd probably be much safer. I mean, ultimately, a, the fat lady ran, but she kept every, everyone out, right? Like, she kept them out and safe. So the only reason why I could think that they brought them into the, the Great Hall was just because a common room was already targeted, so maybe the other ones would. But I don't know. That doesn't even seem, like, valid to me either at the same time it doesn't doesn't seem to quite make sense yeah uh, speaking of which because we like to talk about some larger topics but we also like to talk about things that don't make sense so i just well, i named this quidditch slash things that don't make sense yeah I, I called this one just time for our uh regularly book rant about quidditch the integrity of a quidditch league is ruined if a team can just declare that it doesn't want to play due to an injury, you can't just say, no, I'm not going to play this game and then have it rescheduled because you don't like the weather, which is what the Slytherins did here in this case. But it's not even an injury. It's a, <laughs> it's a fake, it's a fake injury. You can just say, Oh, we can't play because I don't have a tummy ache. I just, my, my little, my pinky toe just feels off. I, I can't control the broom. Like, that also made me think, why don't Quidditch teams have subs or spares on them? Every time they practice, it's just the positional players, but there's no backups. That's a great point. There's no backups. So they're not like training anyone for when these people graduate. Or <laughs> it's a horrible feeder system. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, that, so that doesn't make sense. I don't, yeah, substitutions would be good. Like maybe if you're a seeker um, faints. Mm -hmm. But also we talked about like, oh, my... Malfoy's arm hurt, and apparently no adult looks at it, but whatever. Even if it was injured. There's no rules for, like, the Dementors showing up. You couldn't have a quick pause. Like, <laughs> get a replay in there. Like, everything's so arbitrary. It, oh, that's it. And then just, like, the fact that they're playing in this thunderstorm and how Quidditch games aren't cancelled, not even for thunderstorms, that's dumb. Because just because you're a wizard doesn't mean that you can't, you can't conduce electricity, right? <laughs> And I mean, if you can't cast any spell around to keep Dementors out of a Quidditch game, like I doubt a lightning strike is going to have much issue attacking like these huge towers that all these kids are watching from. Right. Yeah. That and then the timeout. Another thing that ruined the integrity of this game is the, the, the timeout is called Hermione comes out and saves the day with her, her spell or whatever to unfog Harry's glasses. It's a timeout. You can't have outside interference. You can't have an audience member come down and, and add and give your, your team an advantage. It's, you don't see that if it's a timeout. Spell before the game. Before. Yeah, exactly. I also like that. Apparently Diggory went from not being on the team to team captain and seeker as a fifth year yeah. it's a pretty pretty vast uh, improvement yeah you think he always would have been involved in the team um about him like they never really like they didn't really know who he was yeah, so yeah. would be okay you have a seeker if he's a good seeker he's going to stay seeker until he graduates but like i imagine a seeker would make a decent chaser mm -hmm. like we saw or we see later on 
a certain uh, Gryffindor chaser taking over as seeker and winning some matches for them. So, you know, it, well, that's that's exactly it, right? Like, there's, yeah, it's weird that all. It, it's interesting, I guess. First of all, like I had totally forgotten that Cedric's even mentioned in this in this book, and the way that he's like made out to be is that he's like some hotshot, really popular kid that everyone seems to like, and and all the girls like him and that type of thing. But yeah, it's just it is kind of odd that all of a sudden he comes out of the blue, like he wasn't involved with the team at right. all leading up to that this is why he should yeah. have been involved with the team because they should have had some practice players how do you practice without having a scrimmage <laughs> you gotta have an a team and a b team you'd think like also how many times does harry have to end up in the hospital wing after playing a game of quidditch for him to be just like nah this this ain't for me anymore i'm not doing this anymore this is the second time right second time yeah because there was the rogue budger Rogue Ledger, yeah, and then this one, and then this. Okay, second time, but he's had he's he's also had other issues. Like in the and in the first book, he had an issue with his broom being un uncontrollable. That's true. He missed some games as well. Yeah, I just feel like there's too many bad things that have been happening since he's. Not to mention that they are only playing three games, and it's a, a year. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Just silly, just silly. Um, anything from this chapter that you hadn't really remembered? Um, I appreciated because I remember we were talking about like the picture universe and that crazy knight, Knight Corden or Sir Corden or whatever his name is, Cadigan. That's it. I, I had totally forgotten that he made an appearance earlier on in the book and that the one who had basically guided the, the kids to the divination class for the first time ends up being the, the common room portrait replacement for the fat lady while she's out of commission. So that was about it. That kind of stood out to me. I just thought that that was interesting that that was that back. I had forgotten the whole sleepover portion of it. Honestly, when I read the chapter title of Grim Defeat, I didn't really know what was going to happen outside of this must be when the Dementors storm the, the Quidditch game, but I didn't know what else was going to happen leading up to that. Mm -hmm. For things that don't make sense, we already talked about some of mine. How come Malfoy doesn't have to prove that his arm is hurt? Yeah. Why did Hermione wait so long? Why are the Dementors even able to get in there? Why isn't, like, as soon as they show up, why isn't the game just paused? Like, I don't have anything new. Just the Quidditch portion doesn't make sense. <laughs> that, that was me, too. Like, the entire Quidditch portion did not make sense to me. It really frustrated me that you could just change the, your, your playing schedule because you essentially didn't feel like it. So, I mean, don't look at the NHL schedule, then. <laughs> But that's all right. Uh, anything else from this chapter that you... Oliver Wood just doesn't seem like he'd be a good person to play for. Dude needs to learn how to relax. At one point in this chapter, he's described as his eyes bulging out as he's stressing over this last-minute scheduling change to the Quidditch match. And this is clearly a guy who does not have any other hobbies and is just totally fixated on winning this Quidditch Cup, and it's to his detriment. Yeah. It's true, especially the, how random, how stupid everything is. The, the, the movie Oliver Wood is much different than I think what Oliver Wood actually is in the book because he's a really high-strung, out-of-whack dude. I don't know. I'd be curious to look back, and I don't even know if he's in any of the other movies besides the first, to be completely honest with well, you. He's got to be around. But the second one, they have the, 
the pre-season yeah. uh, Malfoy reveal. He's there. He just he seems a lot more calm. That movie would act in that scene is not the way the wood from this chapter would have acted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Seventh year now, so he's starting to feel the pressure. His his life his life story ends if he cannot graduate from Hogwarts without at least one Quidditch title to his name. True. What about you? Any other thoughts that I I, I clocked here is Hannah Abbott has a theory that Black could turn himself into a flowering shrub, and that's how we got into the castle. And like that's not <laughs> that far off from the truth. <laughs> She's close. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, any quotes that jumped out at you? I, 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 again, like I mentioned that I had forgotten that Cedric Diggory was mentioned in this book, essentially, and that he was like an established character heading into the next one. So the girls are, of the Gryffindor girls are spooning over him and Fred says he's the, he's the silent, only the silent type because he's too thick to string two words together, which I found kind of funny and I had a good laugh at, even though I will say that like, He's a man of honor. He's the only seeker so far who actually beat Harry fair and square. And he wanted to call the match off once he knew that actually I should save this. I'll save this discussion. <laughs> I, wonder what, I wonder where that's going. I yeah. Say he did not beat Harry fair and square. Harry had come through the outside interference, but I see your point. Um, I had a quote here. It's like a two part quote. The part I like is the second part, but Hermione says, Am I the only person who's read Hogwarts of History? And Ron just goes, probably. Why? Probably. And, I like that. <laughs> and then Ron has another quote uh, later on at the end where Ron goes, you know, the Whomping Willow, it doesn't like being hit. And yeah. Just- yeah. I saw, I like that one too. I, uh, I always like that when Hermione mentions the book too, it's not Hogwarts of History. It's Hogwarts, a history. Right. Come on. You gotta have the, Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's a colon. Yeah. Or is it a colon? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, who did not perform very well in Have You Nominated as Least Valuable for this chapter? Um, I touched on it earlier, but and, and I realized that there's some other ones. I realized you could probably say Snape because he was pretty rude and, and horrible to, uh, to Hermione this chapter when she was trying to answer his questions. But I had to go with Oliver Wood. Like, the guy just has to relax. He's... And like I said earlier, I think he's an example of why people need more than one hobby. And I, I'm picturing him as like a hockey dad, but like not the good kind of hockey dad, the ones who are like yelling at the kids and the referee and the stands and stuff. I, I imagine that's what he's growing up to be. And it's not a good path for him. Yeah. What about you? I went with the right answer, which is Severus Snape. Severus Snape. Yeah. All over the place uh, in being rude. Yeah, uh, very rude to Hermione. He's very rude to Lupin. If they're behind in defense against the dark arts, it's not the teacher who just started's fault. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that they haven't learned anything in two years. Yeah, no, that 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 is that is the valid answer. Um, I did appreciate, and I was going to touch on it earlier, but even like Ron, kind of responding and sticking up for Hermione. I guess this could lead lead into her MVP contention as well, but like. Ron did stick up for Hermione when that happened. Like he, he was quick to do it. And even though that they've been disagreeing a lot, this book on a lot of things from Crookshanks and Scabbers and 
what Harry should and shouldn't do with the information that he knows about Sirius Black and that type of thing. He was quick to come to her aid, which I also think is maybe some foreshadowing into their relationship and into the future as well. So considered him. Um, I even considered Hermione because she did put the spell on his glasses, even though she shouldn't have been allowed out there in the first place. And then ultimately, though, I... <laughs> I went with Cedric Diggory this chapter, though, um, as our MVP. I thought it was noble to want to be able to call that game off, even though he had won it and first secret to beat Harry Potter. Yeah, that's fair. There wasn't a lot of good options. I went with Ron. Like you mentioned, he stood up for Hermione when Snape was being crazy to his own detriment because he obviously ended up with tension. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, like I said, both the quotes I took were from him. He had some good quips, so mm -hmm. a lot of options here. Uh, so I went with Ron, but Cedric Diggory is not a bad choice. Not at all. And Excellent. That, uh, leads us to chapter 10, the Marauder's Map. Yeah, so Harry's finally let out of the hospital wing after the weekend uh, is over and the classes are beginning again. He's still pretty rattled, though, about seeing the grim in the sky. He's not wanting to tell uh, Hermione and Ron about it. Lupin returns from his absence, though, and he's back into defense against the Dark Arts, and he's looking pretty rough. He, he learns that Snape was making them learn about werewolves, so he cancels all the homework that uh, Snape had assigned, and he asks Harry to stay back after class. So there they discuss the Dementors from the Quidditch match, and Lupin explains that he's not actually weak. It's because uh, around them, and that's what, and the only reason why he's being impacted more than other students is because he's had this trauma in his past and because of this these are the things that dementors thrive on and that's something that other students don't have so in the end harry asks for help uh, to defend himself against dementors and lupin just in the way that lupin did on the train at the beginning of the book and lupin does agree but says it'll have to wait until the next term it's now approaching the holiday season for everyone and Ron and Hermione decide to stay at school with Harry and even though they don't acknowledge why Harry's grateful because he knows that they're staying back to to look after him essentially however there's one more Hogsmeade trip coming up and Harry is of course feeling bummed about once again being left out last time he just kind of sulked around the castle like a sad little emo boy so Fred and George, they track down Harry and they present him with this blank piece of parchment and they say that it's a gift. Harry thinks it's a joke, but it turns out to be the Marauder's map. It's a map that shows every detail and every secret passage within Hogwarts, as well as where everyone currently is within the castle. So they teach him on Harry all the various paths and how he can sneak into Hogsmeade and which ones he should avoid and say they'll see him in Hogsmeade later. So Harry finds one of these paths and he takes it into the village uh, and eventually tracks down Ron and Hermione to their great surprise. Ron and Hermione again are debating whether it's right for Harry to be there, the dangerous Sirius Black catching him and whether they should return the map. Uh, they all decide to go out for butterbeers at the three broomsticks. However, once they're there and settled in, uh, Professor McGonagall, Flitwick, Hagrid, and the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge, which is an odd pairing, by the way. They, they head into the pub for drinks. Uh, the pub owner, Reserta, also joins them. And Harry, Ron, and Hermione hide in the corner away from them and end up getting a chance to eavesdrop on them because they're so close by. Topic turns to Sirius Black. 
And Reserta is talking about how she never could have imagined that Black would have turned out so evil based on how he was as a student. She's talking about him and his best friend, James Potter, aka Harry's dad, when they were always young and always together. Sirius was the best man in James's wedding and is revealed to be Harry's godfather as well. We also learned that uh, James and Lily were actually tipped off that Voldemort was chasing after them and was going to try and kill them. And it was being prevented, actually, like Voldemort was being prevented from finding the parents based on a secret keeping charm. It was where someone keeps a secret and no matter what, they cannot be found uh, as long as that secret is kept closed, I guess. Uh, however, James, well, James did trust Sirius as the secret keeper, but has pointed out that Dumbledore was wary of this as there was a spy on the inside and he believed it to be black. The secret ended up being broken. It led to Voldemort finding the Potters, ultimately leading to their death. Hagrid reveals that the night that he picked up Harry as well from the murder, that Black was there and he was very upset. He assumed it was for the Potter's death, but figured it was actually because Voldemort lost power and he was a follower. Sirius wanted to take Harry, but uh, respected Dumbledore's orders to go to the Dursleys and gave Hagrid his flying motorcycle as well. Also revealed that uh, it was actually their tag-along friend, Peter Pettigrew, who cornered Black in public and went on to attack. But before he could, Black killed him and all of the muggles when he was on the run. And the group eventually disperses, leaving a pretty shocked Harry, Hermione, and Ron, who just absorbed a lot of information, just like you all did right now listening to this recap. Nothing really happened, for sure. Nothing, yeah, we can skip right over this one. So much to... uh, <laughs> to recap and hash out here. Yeah. Um, do you want to start with the start with the map? Okay. This is like impressive magic for kids to have made. The fact that a they must have found all the secret passages before making the map, figured out how to use them, figured out how to make a map that no one could then read or not read, figured out some spells that tracks everyone in the castle. Um, like just all the stuff that went into making that map, like it's great. Mm-hmm. It's it's an impressive piece of magic, and you and you say that like kids created it because what is pointed out here is that it belong. Um, it's Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs who are revealed to be the creators of this of this map when they open it up. It says that they present you the Marauders map, who, of course, we learn later on who who they actually are and their important roles in Harry's life in this in this book, but. You're right. Like it's it's crazy that that type of work went into it. I had never even thought of that before. Of like hashing out all the the secret passages and knowing where it is. I always assumed maybe that it was just there, but yeah, it's it's a pretty fascinating thing. And I remember it being like one of the coolest magical devices that was really known at the time or introduced to us in the in the series this this early on. I mean, I guess they had James's cloak to spend a lot of time looking for these types of things, but mm-hmm. even the the passage that Harry goes through, you have to find that magic word. Unless they made, unless they made some of these themselves, like most of them, I, and I don't know that they did. Obviously, they know about one for sure, but mm-hmm. we'll talk about later. But the rest of them, impressive. Yeah, I I always thought though, wouldn't it be like this map? It should show literally everyone who's in hogwarts shouldn't it 
Yeah. Which is if everybody on the school is on the map, how would you see anything? How would you, that's exactly it, right? Like you get your important characters that it, it talks about how Mrs. Phil or yeah, Mrs. Uh, Norris can be seen, Filch can be seen, uh, Peeves can be seen. You I wonder, you. I wonder if it's like somehow knows like knows who you know about. But that doesn't even really make sense because later on we're gonna later on Peter Pettigrew. Like why doesn't he see Peter Pettigrew right now? Like maybe it only shows you sort of where you are in relation. Uh yeah, no, that's exactly it. Like you were saying that you're wondering if uh yeah, if it's based on who you know, but and you might have said this already, but Pettigrew, like why didn't I don't understand he's not on the map now now exactly yeah that's that's sort of interesting i guess like like if they're only looking at the places they are i assume he would have showed it to ron later and they might have just like looked what people were up to yeah lying in bed well that's the thing like i feel like it would have been really weird for fred and george where they're like oh ron's asleep but who's this peter pettigrew in bed with him or next to his bed like yeah I don't know. There obviously leaves some questions up, but the 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 device itself and what it does is ultimately one of the coolest things, and it it gives Harry a lot of freedom and exploration. Uh, this book, and I guess even in the future too. I, I liked the callback to to Mister Weasley's warning as well about never trusting anything that can think for itself unless you can see where its brain is. So. Go, goes back to the diary and Harry does struggle with that a little bit too in this chapter being like oh should I should I trust this should I be going into these dark secret paths but ultimately kind of going along with well Fred and George were good with it why not me right. speaking of which why did they give him the map instead of just showing him the <laughs> where the one path yeah I mean it's was pretty noble of them to have to to give it to him I mean because the key thing with the map, other than the secret passages, which is once you know where they are, you know where they are. But unless unless the passwords change randomly, mm-hmm. could be if the passages are tied to the map, which we don't know about. But what's great about the map is you can avoid Mr. Filch. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. And like, even though Fred and George, they give it to him under the guise of saying, like, oh, we already have it memorized. Yeah, it takes away from that key aspect of knowing where you need to be to avoid getting in trouble essentially so right i also as soon as you hear about the attack for black wouldn't friend of george have used the map to see if he was still there yeah you'd think so because you know their character they're not going to be like oh safety <laughs> unless they couldn't get it let's go find them get yeah. it but again yeah. if i'm fred and george i always have that map on me oh for sure anywhere without it that's a, a very valuable piece of equipment that I'm sure would be worth a lot. I'm curious, like, can it be duplicated at all? Or can, is it only the one that can be done? Like, yeah, leaves some things up for debate for sure. But ultimately a really cool piece of, of, uh, of magic. Yeah, a not cool piece of magic, Dementors. Yes. Get a little bit more about them in this chapter. Yeah, specifically why 
Harry is more prone to them, which I thought was a really interesting kind of description. So they feed off this, this misery and all the worst that happens in people's lives. So they, they suck the happiness away and everyone can feel it. Even muggles, like when they're not around, like they can still feel that sense. So it's kind of neat that the people who have like the darkest memories or the, the darkest things happen to them. Um, once they have everything else sucked away and they're left with that, that misery or those thoughts, like that's, that's the dread. And that's why it's so impactful, which makes them perfect for Azkaban guards, I guess, at the same time too. Right. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I thought that that was really interesting. Yeah. And then the other, obviously big thing that happens here is obviously the other big thing that happens here is um, Fudge just blabbing <laughs> a very personal and private story in a bar full of people. He was very adamant to want to divulge a lot of personal information about Sirius Black and Harry Potter and James to that Rosetta or whatever. Is it yeah. indicated or is it hinted at that like everyone is attracted to her and that they want to tell her things? Because like Ron was like, I'll go get the butter beers and then was blushing, I think. Yeah. And then I don't know, he seemed very like, fudge seemed very adamant to like have her sit down so that he could like show off his knowledge of what he knows and stuff could be i sort of just thought it as fudge is irresponsible with knowledge which is not surprising because every other chapter that he's been featured in he's always been an lvp candidate yeah (laughs) there's there's a ton of foreshadowing in that conversation though and ultimately did you have you watched the uh the the harry potter 20 year documentary it's it's very good i I recommend checking it out which i know i know you will but one of the i think one of the directors or one of them they're describing the third movie alas like the third book even the the theme of it very much is that you can't judge a book by its cover so you're learning all these bad things about how black was at the scene of potter's murder it's assumed he's there to finish the job with with Harry, but he's only there because he he wanted to be with his godson essentially, and he's kind of living a normal life in Azkaban. And it's assumed that he's so sick and demented that like the the you know, dementors don't even bother him. But it's more so like it leads back to that thing about the dementors and how if you don't really have a lot of dread or misery or like bad things in your past, which Sirius ultimately didn't he can be a little more sane well yeah because he had a family who didn't want him and yeah i guess that's true that's true i just liked in that story all the different pieces that seem so innocuous so like you were talking about black seems normal in azkaban that's weird i wonder Mm -hmm. find out later the newspaper that book he just asks fudge for his newspaper that seems like the smallest detail that's like the whole reason he breaks out of prison yeah, because of what he saw in that newspaper, um, there was a comment somebody made that Dumbledore was starting to believe they had a traitor in their ranks. Yeah, implied that it's black. It's not black, but that's useful information. Like, yeah, there's just like all these little tidbits. It was like very interesting um, exposition. Yeah, well, it's yeah. Also, bang it over your head, foreshadow. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'm going to give you like 17 pieces of information here, but I'm going to reveal. <laughs> essentially all at the same time in black's big monologue later on mm-hmm. talks about pretty much all of those things but the first time you go through it you just gloss over you read it you think it's just detail 
Yeah. Another one is like the explosion and that he killed Pettigrew and it's assumed that, that black did it and killed all those muggles and stuff. Right. But it's so fascinating reading it in this chapter too, because like you are almost hit in the head with every single little detail and until you actually read it again and you're like, well, this isn't true and this isn't true and this isn't true. Right. The, they sit there, those four, again, a really odd pairing, Flitwick, McGonagall, Hagrid, and the Minister for Magic. Not a single thing that they say is true at that in that discussion or, or they're misguided. So, yeah, it's just it's, it was very interesting to read it with that with that different from a different point of view. Yeah. Agreed. Anything from this couple scenes that you didn't remember? I had forgotten about the passwords being needed to open up some of the secret paths and how they appeared on the map. That, and then just that Hagrid had seen Black like right after the murder and that he had come to the scene on a flying motorbike that ultimately Hagrid had in, in the first book. So I had forgotten that that was Black's as well. Yeah, for me, this pretty much just played out as I expected it to. So that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um. There are some things that do not make sense outside of why Fudge just revealed this information willy-nilly in the middle of a bar. <laughs> why are Ron and Hermione staying at school for Christmas? Like, I get it. Harry would be alone. But the mm-hmm. more obvious thing to do is for one of them to bring Harry with them. Uh, I don't think so. I think, you think at least under the guise of... Your parents would be like, yeah, Kyle, it's okay. We haven't seen you in four months, but stay at school. Wait, can you repeat your point then? Why didn't they bring Harry with them to one of their places? Yeah. yeah, I don't think they would have been able to. I think that uh, Harry would have been a much more danger, essentially, of, of serious black and attack because he would have been outside of the Hogwarts grounds where there was the protection of the Dementors and the protection of Dumbledore and that type of thing. Seriously? I don't think... Got in? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's true. He did already get in, but but even if he, I don't think he would have been allowed to go. It makes yeah. sense. I, yeah, it doesn't make sense that Ron and Hermione wouldn't have wanted to go home and see their parents after not seeing them for four months. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, both of them. I could see one of them staying, but it's just sort of weird. Not that Didn't weird. one of them stay already? Well, um, Ron... what happened last year? Last Ron year. stayed because they went to go visit Charlie, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, but that's different. That was different. That was weird. That was also weird as to why they went to exactly over the Christmas break. Oh, that was maybe the first year, whatever. Or maybe the first year. Yeah, I can't remember which one, but. But that was still weird. We talked about it at the time that that was weird that that's when they chose to go, chose to go to Canada. But... <laughs> uh, I also thought it was weird that Harry didn't think, ah, before I go in the secret passage, I should grab my invisibility cloak in case I end up. Yes, I almost assumed I assumed this chapter is like, oh yeah, he goes through the path and he has his invisibility cloak and he goes through Hogsmeade, but he did not go for his invisibility cloak. I assumed he had it while he was there. Even if like the mentions like, oh, he didn't think the teachers would be there, but you don't think if he ran into Malfoy, Malfoy wouldn't take that opportunity to tattle on him? Oh, for sure. I mean, he knows that Harry's not allowed to be there and he would definitely take that opportunity. Uh, anything that didn't make sense to you? We we touched on it already, but it just it did not make sense to me that Fred and George would not see Peter Pettigrew every day on that map and not understand essentially that. Yeah, he should have been caught. Yeah. Um. Some anything else 
overall? I'm yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a secondary podcast called Hagrid Has a Drinking Problem. And again, it was it was issued in, in this chapter. Um Hagrid so the Rosetta comes with the drinks for Flitwick and McGonagall and all of them. She's like, and Hagrid, four beers. I thought it was four beers for the table, four beers for him. And I, I, at, but at the same time, he's a large man. So I guess I should take that into account. It's like Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant would drink like three bottles of wine and have like a little buzz, basically. But, and Hagrid might be the same. But so there was that. Uh, again, just kind of contributing to my point that I think Hagrid has an alcohol problem. I also really like that Flitwick uh, got essentially a cherry soda with an umbrella in it, specifically the umbrella in it, like it's yeah. some kind of tropical drink. Yeah. Um, that and then we'll get into it later on about my, my next point about about fudge. We'll be talking about it. So I'll, I'll save it for now. Yeah. I mean, overall, I, I just thought this is a really good chapter. It's just entertaining. Um, mm-hmm. And and where did those secret passages come from? Yeah. Yeah, that's another good one. We learn where one of them comes from. We learn where the Shrieking Shrek, Whomping Willow one that they talked about. But where did the caved in ones come from? Mm-hmm. We talked about how it took Harry an hour to walk to Hogsmeade via the secret passage. Like, who built that? Mm-hmm. Well, I just had a thought. What, like, I, I, my thought was like, oh, I must have went back to like the forefathers and foremothers, like all the, the four main house leaders. But then I thought, well, maybe they should have been able to see the Chamber of Secrets on the map, right? Like, Well, that makes a little bit more sense to me because if they didn't... Use the Marauder's map, where's... How would would they put it on the map? How would they put it on the map? That makes sense. Like, why it's so impressive that they found seven secret passages? There's probably like Mm -hmm. 50,000. That's exactly it. Yeah, that map probably only shows a few. Um, Any quotes from this chapter? This was more... I have two here. One was a description, uh, and I just really liked how it was written description of of Lupin saying a a ray of wintry sunlight fell across the classroom illuminating Lupin's gray hair and the lines on his young face so you have that juxtaposition of him actually he's actually a young guy he's not old like he's I guess approximately around what Harry's father would have been like he's a parent age but he's not like a senior but just that juxtaposition they're young they were young parents yeah yeah maximum 40 but more like 35 exactly and then um, Roserta has a quote where she says, Pettigrew, that little fat boy who was always tagging around after them at Hogwarts. And I'd probably turn violent too if that's how I was remembered years later as being the fat little tag along boy. So I can understand maybe why Peter Pettigrew is the way that he is. Yeah. <laughs> I had one here. Obviously, this is the iconic mischief managed chapter. So mm-hmm. one for granted, but I had one where after uh, Harry appears in uh, Hogsmeade, wow, said Ron, looking very impressed. You've learned to apparate. And I like this quote because it makes me think, Ron, <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> when did Harry learn to do that? Without telling you? <laughs> Just learned it one day? No, come on. Turned up. I like it. All right. So MVP, LVP combos. Are we just going to go with fudge for least valuable? Do we have to? Come yeah. Back? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I said if I could do it jointly with like McGonagall and Hagrid and Flitwick, because they also contributed, but you got to, 
they don't stop him, but you got to give it to Fudge because he's supposed to be the most responsible for it. And he's the one who's divulging a lot of this confidential information in a very public place. So uh, yeah, absolutely Fudge. And the, the only other person I considered was like, Harry was pretty irresponsible here where he doesn't really think about this trip to Hogsmeade, doesn't get his cloak. Yeah. There's Mr. Weasley's like advice about brain. And just because it, didn't backfire doesn't mean it couldn't have also there's a murderer trying to kill you maybe don't <laughs> take secret passages you don't know about you could yeah exactly you don't know if he's living in it or or what but yeah so you yeah. you could make the argument but so harry just uh, uh i was gonna say you could but i feel like fudge is the the I way to go fudge is probably the better okay yeah you've convinced me by not really saying anything that's not that hard fudge it is all right most valuable I also don't think this is that hard. It's Fred and George. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I put. I mean, they share the wealth. It's a very valuable thing that they just gave Harry. They still probably could have used it. It could have been very valuable to him. But ultimately, they Harry's a little brother, part of that family now. And the fact that they <laughs> gave him that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then Ron kind of makes that quip. Like, he didn't even, I didn't even know about this. Or why didn't they give it to me? So... Yeah, it's a very noble, kind thing for them to have done. So good on them for that. Would I have done it? I don't know, but yeah. good on them. Yeah. I mean, Lupin was also good at the beginning, but we can't just give it to Lupin every time. Yeah. Know. He was not as good as Fred George here. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah, so that's it for this week's episode. Lots to unpack there, but it was a lot of fun. Um, about halfway over halfway now about halfway i'd say in this book now it's yeah. so good it's so good everything about it is great so i'm i can't wait to get into this this latter half here there's still a lot more to discuss a lot more that comes to the forefront from hermione and her upcoming uh there's just so much there's time travel there's a lot of stuff so we'll, we'll time travel spoiler alert um in the meantime though give us a follow on instagram you can follow us along at harry potter reread podcast you can also shoot us an email with your comments and suggestions and thoughts harry potter reread podcast at gmail.com yeah and we'll be back next week to talk about chapter 11 the firebolt chapter 12 the patronus uh those should be good too because the whole firebolt situation very different than the movie yes it will be fun to, to remember what that's all about. Uh, we're on places where you get podcasts. You figure all of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm David, and that was Kyle. Bye.